Okay, I'm back. Yeah, I'm filling in for uh, Pastor Jimmy and uh, today, and I was thinking, I was talking with someone uh, earlier this week. You know, there, when, it seems like when I get hurt is when the weeks that I, that I speak. Uh, several years ago, uh, I, Jimmy was out of, out of the country, and I, we were getting ready to uh, you know, do some things. So I scheduled to speak that Sunday, and I had a bungee cord hit him in the eye. And that's why I wear glasses, because that bunny wanted to come uh, help us out. And then this past summer, July, you know, I wrecked a school bus and broke some ribs. And, and I was in the hospital for a week. And we had, you know, one of our church members, a retired minister, and he came and spoke. Well, on Friday, let me tell you, I didn't think I was going to speak again. We, um, I do real estate on the side, and uh, I got a pastor friend. And him and his wife just bought a house. There's a new house, and so we're doing a walkthrough before we closed on it. And so we were on the outside of the house walking around and looking at it, you know, looking at, you know, all this and that and all that. Well, then we went back inside, so our shoes were muddy. So we went up, then my, uh, my pastor friend, he went up, and I was the last one to go up and, you know, climb those attic stairs. Well, it wasn't the right portion from the top attic stair to the f- attic floor. Well, then uh, I went to step, and I have no shoes on, mind you, and I nubbed, I stubbed my big toe. And let me tell you, the words that come to your mouth, they're not the words that you don't want your pastor friend to hear, but they're, they're never the, the sweet, savory words. It's always the salty words. But I was able to maintain my composure, and that instant pain in my toe, I, it was worse than the instant moment of when I broke my ribs and uh, hurt my eye. It just, it took everything in me not to ball my eyes out of hurt. And um, but anyway, and my sock was all, um, as I called Courtney, I called Courtney and I was telling her what was going on and, and what was happening. She was crying from laughing so hard. <laughs> but I tell you, it hurt and it, it's okay now, but man, I tell you, there's nothing like stubbing your toe. But with that, I get to speak for Pastor Jimmy today, and I'm so excited to do that. Him and Karen, they are in, uh, in uh, Florida. They're at a, a conference for pastors and their spouses, and it's just a great opportunity for them to get away and just spend some time with each other, spend time, you know, that they have just a great renewal in their spirit, you know, uh, that God will just bless them, and it'll just be, you know, a time of relaxation for them. So just pray for them as, you know, as they come back earlier this week. But we're continuing on the next level uh, series, Next Level Living. And so today I'm talking about Next Level Living, a passion for people. You know, because sometimes I think about, you know, in our life, we, we just get so busy in life that we forget about people or we forget, you know, about other people. A passion to read your Bible or a passion to worship or a passion to pray. But I think sometimes we forget to talk about the, the passion for people. And it runs throughout the, the Bible, you know, starting from the New Testament, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And we see in Leviticus, which is in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19, 18. It says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And this theme, it continues on throughout the New Testament. It goes into Mark, Mark, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And then later on in the book of Mark, he writes this. And Jesus is, is uh, in this group of people, and he's teaching and talking about, you know, God and his love and those things. And then they ask him a question. This person asks Jesus this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? 
Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest thing to see this theme. You know how it's unfolding, how it's coming, you know, coming to life in the Bible, and how, how it applies to, you know, to our lives. And then in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the Good Samaritan. One of my favorite parables because I think it, it demonstrates on how we as a Christian you know, should live our lives. And, and right here, Jesus is making it real and making it simple. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's how you show other people that you love God. And then Jesus, we have this stinger that he says in 1 John 4.20. It says, Whoever claims to love God, yet hate whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. So right here, it's, it's very clear. If you can't love your brother and sister, your, your siblings, but also it's, it's being, he, he's talking about not necessarily your siblings, but beyond, people who you come in contact with, your coworkers, your neighbors, the people in this church, you know, the people wherever you live or whatever you do life. If you cannot love those people, you cannot love God. Because a demonstration of our love for God is the way that, the way that we pray for them. And so what Jesus is doing in these statements, you know, yeah, I love God. I love God. Well, how do you tell I love God, right? What Jesus is saying, when you love God, you love people. When you love people, you love God. So loving people becomes the physical demonstration of your love for God. And so if you're going around talking bad about people or putting people down or, or doing everything you can to berate them, do you love in people? Are you loving God? Are you putting those people down? Because those people have the image of God in them. I understand that. And it's a struggle sometimes, you know, just to even curve my speech. But the outward demonstration of our love for God is the way that we treat people. And so the Apostle Paul, he writes, you know, we're continuing along at Colossians. And so we're going to go on with that. And so in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, going on to chapter 2 through 5. It says, Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And I fill out my flesh with still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for his sake of his body. To present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for all ages and generations. But is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of the mysteries which is in Christ. The hope of glory. Here He is the one we proclaim, abolishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully matured in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I was that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so what Paul is doing right here, he is in prison. And he's writing to the to the Colossian church. You know, writing them this letter to encourage them, to greet them, to give them instruction on loving people, for them to grow in Christ. Because sometimes as Christians and loving God and growing in our faith and growing in our love. So that's why Paul was writing this letter. To encourage them to continue on, continue growing, continue doing these things, continue having a passion for people. And so Paul is charging the people to be ministers. 
Paul is charging the people. He is giving them the example to be ministers by the life that he has led. And so Paul, you know what he wrote in another letter to the Ephesian people? You know, he to be ministers. Everyone who calls themselves Christians are ministers. And the church that Paul writes is to build people up, to equip them for the work of service. Meaning the moment that you become a Christian, it's no longer about you. It's about other people. The moment that I became a Christian, it was no longer about me. But it was about other people. And sometimes I think we, we get that mixed up. But Paul was saying that you're called, you're commissioned to be minister, to be ministers. In Colossians he, uh, 125, he says, I have become its servant, ministers, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So we see that right here, what Paul's talking about, his commissioning. He's talking about the commissioning of him, you know, going to tell people, going to tell the world about God's love and about God's grace. But sometimes what has happened, you know, in the church, particularly the American church, that the people who work for Pastor Jimmy, he's not the only minister in Rocky River Church. Pastor Adam, he's not the only minister of Rocky River Church. Everyone that is sitting in this room right now, and you call yourselves Christians, you are ministers as well. And that's what Paul is charging the Colossian people with. That everyone who is in Christ, we are ministers. And let me ask you this question. Do you know someone who isn't a Christian? Do you know someone who does not have a faith in Christ for God's love, for God's grace, for God's salvation? Then you're called to be a minister to them. Jesus charged his disciples to be light to the world. Jesus charged his disciples to go and make disciples of the world. And that's the same call that we have. That's the same charge. That's the same commissioning that we have. So why don't we do it? Why? Why don't we do it? To be ministers of God. And I struggle with this. Honestly, I struggle with this. Number one, we are afraid. We are afraid. Rising college, back in the early 90s, uh, when we, they were teaching this thing, how to go witness and evangelize, and it was called evangelism explosion, which just sounds like, man, we get to blow things up. No, <laughs> that wasn't the case. What it was, you go door to door, knocking on doors, and you'll ask questions, or you ask two main questions. You hear the questions. Number one, do you know for sure if God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? That's pretty interesting, right? Also very pretty leading questions. But that was not my personality. I was not someone that would go and knock on doors. I just was not comfortable with it. I'd rather you know, talk to you at the ball field. I'd rather talk to you in the line at the grocery store. I'd rather talk to you, you know, at, to one of my neighbors taking the trash out or at the mailbox. That's just what I'd rather do. Because that, that's my person, godly man. I love him dearly. But man, he loved this stuff. I'm like, that's not me. But he loved it. And so we <clears throat> went to a conference in Indianapolis. And we took the youth group with us. And, uh, and part of the conference was that we were to go out and do the evangelism explosion. I'm like, yeah, no. And so uh, as we, we, we parked the van and we got out and 
Pastor John must have been sensing some hesitation on my part. He said, Donnie, uh, what I do is I pray before I knock on the door. And so we'd start, we'd start walking. He said, okay, now, Donnie, you'll go first. I'm like, well, I can't watch you do it. Okay. And so um, I go first, and I'm like, okay, dear God, pray that nobody's home. God, pray nobody's home. That just wasn't my personality. You know, so I struggle with that. You know, I'm more of a relationship type person. You know, I, I'll talk to anybody. Courtney will send me in to the grocery store to get just one thing, and I come back out 45 minutes later because I'm talking to people that I know. Or I'm just giving a conversation towards Christ. Or I steer the conversation, you know, to some other things. You know, that, that's just the way that I am. But what's your giftedness? You don't have to be like me. You don't have to be like my pastor, John. You know, Peter in the Bible was one of the disciples. I think he was a hothead, but he was also one of the quick, the one of the first ones to speak up. He would speak. If there was injustice, he would, he would take care of it. That was, that was Paul's personality. Then we have John, the beloved. And to me, John was, at times to me, seems like kind of a hippie. You know, he had person, and that's just who John was. You know, then we have Andrew, one, you know, one of the other disciples. And, you know, we see Andrew inviting people to come to hear about Jesus. That was his personality. He said, hey, come, let's go hear Jesus. Then we have Luke. Luke was not a disciple. But Luke, you know, he wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Luke was a historian. And Luke was a doctor. And so Luke appealed to the intellectual side of people and the intellectual things. And that is definitely not me. But that's Luke. And so you see these different personalities. You know, God gave you, and don't be afraid. Just figure out what your personality is and then use it. Use it for God's purpose. I think another reason why we don't is, number two, we just don't feel qualified. You feel qualified? I don't feel qualified sometimes. I don't feel qualified to do the announcements sometimes on Sunday mornings. You know? And so it's hard. You know, we, we just don't feel qualified. We get hesitant. We, we get worried. We, we're like, I, 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 what, what if they ask me a question that I don't know? What, what, what if? So we get, we get, we don't feel that we're qualified. Here's what Paul has to say, and it's pretty deep. The mystery that has been kept hidden for all ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope. Of glory. So right here we're talking about mystery. I ain't going to know the mystery. How am I going to know? Paul even says it right here. Why does God keep it hidden? Why can it just not be clear? Why? Let me ask you this question. Did these mysteries or did these questions keep you from being a Christian? Did, did you know everything about the Bible the moment that you accepted Christ into your life? I didn't. And yet, that did not keep me from having a relationship with God. It didn't keep you from coming here today. So why would it keep your friends from coming? Why would it keep your coworkers from coming to know Christ? Why would it keep your neighbors? And I think the second thing is what Paul is saying here. This is what Paul is saying. That God is not hiding anything. God doesn't keep things locked away so our friends don't know. Our friends don't know. Because we haven't told them. The mystery that Paul is talking about is salvation that is brought to us by grace. For those that don't have a relationship with God, it's a mystery. 
How can I have a changed life? You know, I don't, I don't understand it. How can I have a changed life without grace? How can I have a changed life without mercy? That's what God's love does. It changes our life. It gives us it means that something that was once hidden but now has been brought to light. And so your life, your grace that have you experienced in your life and the salvation that you have experienced has now been brought to life. Your life is no longer a mystery. And so your life is what will speak to your neighbors. Your life will help your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers discover who God is. That's what your life will do. And Paul says, I have shown it to the saints. And the saints is us. Anyone who calls himself Christians wrapped up in so that we can show our life, show that life to others. It is Christ in you. It is your changed life. It is your revealed life. The mystery of God's grace and salvation. Next, I think that number three, we don't want to be pushy. Who loves going to the car lot and dealing with the car dealership guy, right? Anybody? Oh, you, that's good. I do not. Because like, it's like vultures. We don't want to be pushy. We're afraid of being that pushy guy. Here's teaching everyone with all wisdom. And so right here, to proclaim, it means to tell everyone. It means to tell openly. That's what proclaim means. It means to tell openly. You know, sometimes I think there are secret agents as Christians that we're just afraid to let other people know that we're Christians. But right here is just saying, just tell openly, hey, yeah, I'm a Christian. I don't do that because I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't sleep around because I love my wife and I'm a Christian. Openly, you let it be known that you're a Christian. And to abonish, abonish means to warn. But here's the thing, it's not like, like the, the, the big man, don't go near there, don't, don't touch that. But it's a warning of, of gentleness. It's a warning of love. It's a warning of compassion. But it's still a warning, like you would with a child. It's still a warning. And then to teach, to teach means to show clearly. Here's how you do it. You do this, then you do this, then you do this. Here's how you become a Christian. You ask God to forgive you of your sins. Then you read your Bible and pray. You connect with other believers. You make it clear. That's how you do it. To tell openly, warn, gently, show clearly. Which of these things are you good at? We need to work on all of these things. I need to work on all these things in my life so that other people can come to know Christ. And I think God wants to use these things in your life and in our lives. You know, sometimes in your home, you need to warn. Sometimes at work, you might need to warn. In the ball field, you be careful, especially when it's like, Pay attention to where you're at. And out of the outflow of your passion for people, your story is what will compel them to come to know Christ because of your changed life. And the next one, number four, is we are complacent. We are complacent. And to me, this is the saddest one. It's the one that, that actually gets at me sometimes. And Paul writes this Christ. We're complacent. We simply don't care that much. Our life is comfortable. I'm going to heaven because I'm a Christian. Everything is good. Everything is, you know, okay. I really just don't care that much. But let me tell you something. 
If you've got a friend, if you've got a family member, if you know someone that does not know Jesus and you don't tell them about Jesus, you know what you're telling them? Go to hell. I know someone that is not a Christian and you're not telling about God's love and salvation. You're telling them to go to hell. Because let me tell you, my dad, he died of ALS. Courtney's dad died of ALS. I'm telling you, if I found a, a cure for ALS, I am telling everybody that has ALS about that cure. And I'm telling you, many of you have been around someone who's had cancer. If you know a cure for cancer, you'd be telling them, right? Salvation. And that's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So why wouldn't you tell them? Paul is challenging us to have a passion for people. Have a passion for people is, is telling them about God's love. We are Christ's ambassadors on this earth. Nobody will represent Christ more than those who call themselves Christians. When you say, yes, I'm a Christ follower, you're saying, yes, I am going to show everyone your love, your grace, and your hope. That's what we're challenged to do. Take a look around you. I know when you came in, it might have been dark, so you might not be able to see chairs in here. Those are for your friends. Those are for your family members. Those are for your coworkers. Those are for everyone you know that does not know Christ. If we fill these chairs up, we'll add another service. But those are for your family members and people in, in your life that don't know Christ. Invite them to come. Invite them to experience Christ. Well, how, how, can I be, how can I be a minister that God's called me to be? How can I do these things? Use what you have. Use what you have. In Colossians 1.29, you know, Paul writes, This end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So what we have, we have the energy of Christ. We have Christ's power. And listen, the power that was the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus the Holy Spirit that was in Paul, the Holy Spirit that was in Peter, the Holy Spirit that was, that's in Billy Graham, it's the same Spirit that's in you. And it's the same Spirit that's in me. And so we have access. We could, we could have done. It could have been Paul. But Paul was encouraging the Colossian people. He was pushing them forward from prison. And Paul writes this. He told the Corinthian church this. I have been in prison. I have been flogged severely. I have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have uh, received from the Jews 40 lashes. Three times I have been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Now let me tell you, Paul was not the person to go on a cruise with. <laughs> from bandits. And yet Paul still had the ability in his life to have a passion for people. And he had that passion for people for tapping into God's power. Well, how do I tap into God's power? Read your Bible and pray daily. My life, the indicators when I'm not spending enough time praying and reading, when I've been slack, I've gone multiple days without doing that, is when I get frustrated or I get tired easily or I get angry easily or I get snappy easily. Those are the indicators in my life that I have not prayed and read my Bible like I should. Other serving the church, connect with other believers, you know, get involved, exercise your faith through tithing. These are all ways to connect to that power of that Paul is talking about. And the second way that you could be ministers is that you can invite someone to church. 
that you can invite someone to church. Paul writes, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Paul had a big vision for people. Paul had a big passion for people. And when the church is united in love, when the church is birth. But sometimes, you know, the church is, is full of people, right? And when you're full of people, you tend to make mistakes. And you tend, you know, to do things a little bit wrong. And so that's where God's grace comes in. And that's where God's love comes in is to help us and to work together as a church. And when we're working together, we can make a powerful statement in our community, in our country, in our world. And that's by inviting people to come and listen. Lifeway Research did a uh, survey. They surveyed 15,000 people. And they found that most people said family member or friend. All you have to do is just say something. Hey, come to church with me. Most people would. Most people would accept you that. And then the last point, you can share your story. You can share your story. In Colossians 2, Paul says, I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Paul is telling his story to the Colossians. He is challenging them. Paul has told his story to the Romans. Paul told his story to the Jews. Paul was telling his story to anybody who would hear it. And they saw that Paul was a Christian killer. And killing Christians, he turned his life around. And so if Paul could turn his life around, then maybe they could have turned their life around. Your story will speak to the people around you. My story will speak to the people around me. My story might not speak to your friends because you're... We talk about sports or... We talk about the newest show on Netflix or we talk about movies or we talk about this and we talk about that. Why not talk about your story? About your changed life. About how you become a Christian. Why not just invite him to church? That's what Paul is instructing the Colossian people to do. Be ministers of love. Have a passion them to know grace and salvation from God. On your sermon notes, there's, there's three lines. On those three lines, I want you to think of family or friends or coworkers who need Jesus. Who needs God's grace. And so during this time, I'm just going to take maybe 30, 45 seconds for you to write down three names for people to pray for and to invite. Card on the back side of that. Take a moment, write those names down on that connection card and drop that in the offering basket. Because we as a staff will pray for you. We want to partner with you to reach the people that you don't know for Christ. Let's take about 30 seconds to do that.
We will close in prayer. Dear God, I thank you so much for the love that you have for me. The grace that you gave me. And in spite of the things that I have said and done, the way that I've acted, or I mean, just even sometimes we have to treat people, that you still love me. And of your love. Help me not to be afraid to, to share my story. Help me not to be afraid to talk about you. Help us have a better passion for people. I ask that your strength and your peace and your encouragement will rest upon us so we can be better ambassadors. In Jesus' name I pray.